AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Online at KDOS1060.com and download the new KDOS 1060 app. Apple and Android users, it's available for you. Take advantage of all the listener rewards we have up on the new KDOS 1060 app. It is Monday. It is February 20th. Bob Kemp out sick today. Hopefully he's feeling better as the day continues on. And he'll be back in the saddle with you on Tuesday. So we'll hope for all of that. We'll hope for the best. But Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Set to be joined by Scott Miller, having a spring training conversation. Pay a little homage to uh, Tim McCarver as well, who passed away on February 16th. Get Scott's perspective on Tim as a broadcaster. Dive into the World Baseball Classic a bit as well. That's coming up around 12.15 today. But let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. Over the weekend, reports began surfacing that the Cardinals have finalized and filled out their Uh, coaching positions. Of course, Jonathan Gannon introduced last week as the Cardinals head coach. According to reports from Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero, Drew Petzing is set to become the offensive coordinator. Petzing, 35. This will be his first year as an offensive coordinator. Comes to the Cardinals from the Browns. He was like, I believe, three or four years with the Browns organization, a couple of years as tight ends coach, last year serving as quarterback coach. Nick Rollis, according to Tom Pelissero, set to be the new defensive coordinator. Rollis, 29, was on the defensive staff with Gannon in Philly as the linebackers coach. And Rollis will be the NFL's youngest coordinator. So the question here on KDOS1060.com, with the reports that the Cardinals are hiring Drew Petzing as offensive coordinator, Nick Rollis as defensive coordinator, both the first-time coordinators, along with having Jonathan Gannon as a first-year head coach. Would you like to see an established NFL voice be hired as a senior assistant? Yes continues to lead the way at 83% of the vote, no sitting at 17%. Interesting stuff as well from... Peter King, Football Morning in America's column, he had the opportunity to chat with Jonathan Gannon. And Gannon did say that one of his biggest mentors is Mike Zimmer. So we'll see if Mike Zimmer ends up having any sort of role uh, with the Arizona Cardinals or if he'll just be rooting Gannon on from afar. We'll answer this question, though, around 1230 today, so still time to cast your vote. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. No NFL football, but there was still football. The reboot of the XFL. Just really curious here. Did you watch the reboot of the XFL over the weekend? No leads the way at 63.2% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 36.8%. We'll get into that as well around 1230. I do want to discuss a little bit about the XFL. 
because there are a couple of interesting rules here. So the setup for the XFL this year, of course, The Rock and his his group own the XFL this time around. Eight teams divided into two divisions play a 10-week schedule. Top two teams of each division play in a semifinal game with the championship game set for May 13th. XFL has hired Dean Blandino as VP of Officiating and Rules Innovation. I like that title, Rules Innovation. Uh, But anyway, Dean Blandino is uh, kind of overseeing all of that for the XFL. So here are some of the rules. Some things changed, some things stayed the same from the attempt in 2020 for the XFL. Kickoffs. This rule stays the same. Only the kicker and the returner can move until the ball is caught or has landed on the ground for three seconds. The reason for this, according to the XFL, is they want to encourage returns and discourage touchbacks. In the XFL with this rule back in 2020 returns, 92% of kickoffs were returned. This is comparative to the way that things are going in the NFL when only 40% of kickoffs were returned in 2022. Challenges. This is unique for the XFL. Each coach gets one challenge per game. They can challenge any play or penalty during the game. This is kind of fascinating because how many times have we seen where um, things that are unchallengeable in the NFL are clearly not a penalty or not not something that uh, should should stay as stand, but because a coach can't challenge it, it moves along. So this is kind of interesting, but I'm curious to know how the penalty portion is going to work out and if it's going to have the same effect that maybe people think it will. Because sometimes penalties, yes, there's a rule written. Yes, you're supposed to abide by the way in which the rule is written, but there is some subjectivity to it. There is some interpretation to it. So unless a penalty is, you know, completely one way or the other obvious, I'm just curious how many challenges penalty-wise will be overturned in the XFL. I know I brought this up with, with Bob last week that sometimes... Some of the greatest innovations that have taken place come from the XFL or have come from the USFL and the NFL ends up adopting it. So just curious to see it gives them an opportunity to have games under their belt to see if it's worth looking into, worth voting on, worth bringing up in the competition committees for the NFL to make some changes to the game. This is the one right here that I really wish the NFL would adopt. The fumble in the end zone. In the XFL, if a team fumbles the ball in the end zone trying to score, well, we all know what happens in the NFL. It's a touchback. In the NFL, the offense retains possession at the point of the fumble. That's what the rule should be. I would love to see that get changed. I don't know if that's really on the docket, though, for the NFL, but it's just such a silly rule. You're trying to make a play. You're going full out. Somebody's coming at you, hits the ball, Fumble it, boom, touchback. I don't like that rule.
conversions. This is also kind of a unique aspect to the XFL and I guess trying to just be different, if you will. After a touchdown is scored, you can choose from a one-point, two-point, or three-point play. One-point plays take place from the two-yard line. Two-point plays come from the five-yard line. Three-point plays come from the 10-yard line. Crazy things could potentially happen. Saw something that uh, one team over the weekend scored like 15 points in the span of like three minutes because of these potential rules and these potential gambles. Dean Blandino was quoted as saying that he thinks a lot of people and a lot of coaches are just going to take the two-point opportunities. But having the three-point or the one-point, depending upon you know, game script, time on the clock, how many points you're trailing by, it brings in a lot more analytics. It brings in a lot more uh, thought process, if you will, in terms of what could potentially be available to you. Onside kicks, it actually ends up being an offensive play in the fourth quarter to pick up 15 yards to maintain possession. So doesn't allow for onside kicks in the fourth quarter. Overtime rules, this is a little bit different in 2020. Apparently, there were five plays. They have reduced it now to three plays from the opponent's five-yard line for a team to score. But there's really nothing to compare it to because in 2020, they saw no overtime games in the XFL. Some of the names that you will potentially recognize playing in the XFL, Brett Hundley, Vic Beasley. He had a pretty darn good career in the NFL. It was kind of shorter stint, but pretty productive at the uh, linebacker position. A.J. McCarron, Josh Gordon, and Paxton Lynch. When it came to outcomes, you had the Arlington Renegades beating the Vegas Vipers 22-20. Houston Roughnecks beating the Orlando Guardians 33-12. St. Louis Battlehawks beating the San Antonio Brahmas 18-15. And the D.C. Defenders beating the Seattle Sea Dragons 22-18. So that's the XFL and also coincides as well with our Twitter poll question. Did you watch the reboot of the XFL over the weekend? That's on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. I want to go back briefly to the um, NBA All-Star game. And I just want to touch on this a little bit here because I didn't watch the NBA All-Star game. I'm curious if other people did. Why did you? Why did you not? But when it comes to the All-Star game, And such a massive victory here with so many points being scored, 118 to 175, just lots of points. I have a theory as to maybe why I'm not as entertained by the All-Star game. And it's because there's so much more exposure to different teams around the league on any given night. So for me, growing up, right, as it is right now, You could watch nationally televised games on ESPN Wednesday and Fridays, Tuesdays and Thursdays on TNT. Soon we're going to be getting some Sunday basketball as well. So if I want to tune in and see stars play, I can pick a Tuesday night. I can pick a Wednesday night, a Thursday night or a Friday night. So it's not 
so scarce as to when I get the chance to see the quote-unquote stars of the game. For me as well, I've lived in this era of super teams being formed. So the stars are already playing together. So if we wanted to see what it was like for Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley to team up and play play with each other, we get that in the NBA. The super teams are there. You didn't get that originally. So this was an opportunity to get to see the best of the best playing together and what would it be like if all of these stars converged. I didn't grow up with that. I I already saw these super teams, right? I'm curious as well about the competitive nature of the All-Star game. One, championships mean more than the All-Star games, so you're not going to necessarily put your body on the line for something that you're not getting paid for, potentially hurt yourself before you get into the the championship stretch run. That's what you're playing for, NBA championships. But the money that's potentially on the line for playing is so great. Are you interested in really playing in this all-star type game? Is there that same competitiveness to be worked out in an all-star game, if you will? Is there that same drive to prove and show you up on this type of stage as there was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, as there is now? I don't think so. And also, I know we want a game full of offense, but 184 to 175? No thanks. So that's just kind of, I guess, maybe why for me, kind of growing up with the NBA the way that it has been, the All-Star game doesn't have near as much significance as maybe it did years ago. On the other side, it'll be our spring training report. We'll catch up with Scott Miller, New York Times contributor, as well as hearing him on Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. We'll dive into Tim McCarver. We'll dive into the World Baseball Classic and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So because it's the spring training report, let's do it right now. Lunch for two to pour to subs, one certificate per day during the spring training report. 602-260-1060. Caller number two wins a lunch for two Porta Subs gift certificate. 602-260-1060. And of course, Porta Subs slicing up the quality you crave. Your favorite sliced fresh premium meats and cheeses on our signature freshly baked bread loaded with fresh veggie toppings and savory sauces. Scott Miller is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. 602-260-1060. Caller two. Ready to bring KTUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. And now you can download the new app, KDOS 1060, for Apple and Android users. We're going to pop on out to the KDOS hotline, joined by Scott Miller, contributor to New York Times and Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. Scott, appreciate the time on the program today. How you doing, Kayla? Always uh, nice to talk to you from Arizona. Yeah, it's happy. It's good to have you here. Unfortunately, it's only going to be like a nice day today, and then it's supposed to get rainy and cold again. 
I know. Yeah, I just uh, I just got here over the weekend, and I, I I knew last week it was cold. And of course, I live over in San Diego, and a lot of times you guys end up getting the weather a day after we get it as it heads this way. And it has been about as cold as I can recall since I've, in the 23 years I've lived in San Diego. It's been chilly and rainy, and uh, of course we need the rain. But you know, when 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 spring training starts, uh, it's time to move beyond the chilly stuff and let's get warm. <laughs> I 100% agree. Uh, well, let's first start with something here in, in kind of like an homage to uh, Tim McCarver. The news came out on February 16th about his passing. He, of course, had a long career impact in the game of baseball as well, playing from 1959 to 1980, broadcasting games on Fox from 1996 to 2013. So from your perspective, what made McCarver so special about breaking down pitches, sequences, bringing the audience into understanding what the strategy was in the biggest of games? Well, it was a combination of things, I think, Kayla. You know, he, he played so long, and as a catcher, he knew the game so well. And, and, and you know, I always – one of the first things I think of him besides his broadcasting is, you know, he was a – called for the Phillies and Cardinals, of course, but he and, uh, he and Bob Gibson developed an incredibly close relationship. And, you know, we all know what a comp- fierce competitor – Bob Gibson was, and this is a guy that, uh, you know, he, he didn't suffer fools, uh, you know, on the field or off the field. And the fact that, um, that, 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 McCar- that McCarver was so favored by Gibson, um, you know, it, it was just, they had a special relationship and, and, you know, I would have loved to sit down and talk with Tim Carver, you know, hear chapter and verse of what it was like to work with Bob Gibson. Um, but beyond that, uh, most everybody, especially now, knows him from his broadcasting, and you know the the one he, his passion. He was he knew the game, um, passion for the game, loved to talk about the game, and was so insightful. Um, and probably you know one of the epitomes. There are a lot of Tim Carver stories, but you know one of the uh, one of the epitomes. Um, you know, goes back to the Diamondbacks Yankees World Series in uh, 2001 and Game Seven, and he was in the booth, and um, you know was there at the end, Game Seven, last inning, the pivotal uh, Luis Gonzalez at bat, and before Rivera um, made the pitch, Mariano Rivera, the Yankees closer, um, McCarver in the booth uh, mentioned that Derek Jeter, Joe Torre had pulled the infield in, and Derek Jeter, shortstop, was in. And McCarver pointed out that that's while that's a natural thing to do to try to you know prevent the run from scoring, um, that he noted that that Mariano Rivera's uh, cutter moves in on lefty hitters and often breaks their bats. So you got to watch for a potential flare, broken bat flare to the shallow outfield, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, a minute later, the the cutter came, broke. Gonzalez's bat, short flare to the outfield, drops in. Of course, the Diamondbacks win it, and and it goes down forever in in, in Phoenix sports history. And and you know they had toppled the Yankees, but you know that that's probably you know if you're a broadcaster, it, it, Tim McCarver saw things before they happened, and that's one reason he was so good. You know, did he kind of set the standard? You're talking about how good he is at being able to see things before it happened. Did he sort of set the standard yep. and now what we expect from our analysts and what makes a great analyst today? That's right. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it reminds me a little bit, you know, I don't watch as much NFL as a lot of people do, but I do know 
that um, you know Tony Romo has been has been praised lately uh, for being one of the best out there, and for that reason, like he can break down games and and see you know he'll tell you you know based on a defensive formation or an offensive formation what's going to happen. And I know I've read so much that Tony Romo is uncannily correct so often when he says what's about to happen, and you know so that, that's some of what we see in modern day. Uh, television today. I think you get a little bit of that from John Smoltz, you know, in the booth at the World Series. Um, you know, Smoltz is able to, to you know, talk about the likelihood of something happening before it happens. But, you know, you're right. I, I think McCarver was probably in on the ground floor of uh, opening people's eyes to what, what, what you know, to that in- style of insightful broadcasting. The voice there of Scott Miller, contributor to New York Times and Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. Uh, let's switch gears here to the World Baseball Classic. It is set to take place March 7th through March 21st. How does this impact pitchers who would be using this time in spring training to ramp up? Are managers going to be managing more like a spring training game for these guys so their arms are ready to go in the regular season and not impacted later on in the year? Yeah, I mean, managers in the World Baseball Classic will be conservative with pitchers because the the greatest fear of everybody is, um, you know, injuries. That, that, you know, nobody – first of all, the teams that are sending their pitchers off to the World Baseball Classic are really nervous about the pitchers coming back healthy. And, you know, the World Baseball Classic – uh, managers and coaches are aware of that, and they don't want to be the ones to send a pitcher back to a team injured. Um, I remember when Jim Leland coached or managed the United States several years ago in, in the World Baseball Classic, and you know he he had in, uh, uh, he had very uh, in depth talks with the managers and staff of the each team he had a pitcher from, and, and they they came up with a game plan for that pitcher. You know, he was very aware. He assured the managers, look, I, my goal is to send this pitcher back to you in the same shape I got him in. And, you know, the trick is for the pitchers, obviously, the World Baseball Classic is very competitive. And, you know, your, your natural competitive juices are going to flow. And so the worry is that a pitcher will get all amped up and be throwing too many pitchers to throw too hard before he's ready to. Um, so that'll be the biggest thing they watch. But, yeah, they, they, there'll be some conservative handling of pitchers. And, um, you know, I don't know about managing. Probably similar to a spring training game. I mean, a you know, starting pitcher early on, he might go three or four innings rather than six innings in, in a World Baseball Classic game. From a World Baseball Classic perspective, what's the view on it? Does it mean a whole lot to Major League Baseball players? I mean, so I come from a background of golf, and, like, the Olympics were never part of golf when I was, you know, playing the game. So it's more the majors are what's important. When it comes to Major League Baseball and winning a World Series, that obviously is the pinnacle. So where does the World Baseball Classic fall into the level of importance? You know, it's grown, I think, in important. It's always been important for the people that run Major League Baseball. You know, from the time it started, you know, the whole internationalization of the game. And, and of course, you know, people who run these things always see money. And, and, you know, let's not fool ourselves. You know, big reason it started was, you know, the more baseball can can grow the game in 
countries, you know, like France and the Netherlands and, and China, you know, the more money there is to be made in selling merchandise and just increasing interest. Um, obviously, it's already very important, very um, popular in Japan and in the Dominican Republic and some of the Latin American countries. But, you know, it's all about growing the game. So it's always been important to Major League Baseball itself. But the players, you know, it took several years to get them on board. I think last World Baseball Classic was 2017. And, you know, we all remember Adam Jones going up over the wall, that great catch he made against Manny Machado um, to save the home run. They were At the time, they were teammates with the Orioles. Um, Marcus Stroman pitching the United States to its first ever World Baseball Classic you know, win championship that was in 2017. I think that opened some players eyes. Um, I would say to your question, Kayla, back in the first world baseball classic, Oh six, it was more of a curiosity, you know, Oh nine or whenever the next one was, it was still kind of a curiosity. Some players were interested, some weren't, but I think with the U S winning that championship that helped. And I think the players that played, especially that year in 2017, um, they all had such a great experience that when they came back to their teams, you know, they talked about how great it was. And I think that helped spread the enthusiasm. And now this year you see like Mike Trout's playing and he's never played in a world baseball classic before Uh, you're seeing, I think that's, you know, Trout hasn't done anything outside the angels. He doesn't do home run derbies at the all-star game. And I think the fact that Trout is, is playing this year and he's a captain to me, that's, that's an individual example of how much uh, things have changed within the player ranks and that they're now very, uh, you know, more often than not interested in playing in the World Baseball Classic. That doesn't mean everybody is, but um, I think the enthusiasm level has definitely increased. And another one, you know, is is Clayton Kershaw, um, you know, who's not going to be playing. He was going to be playing in his first world baseball classic and he wanted to play and and it was you know he the Dodgers gave him permission and he, you know he kind of uh you know was the first one to I mean he took the initiative but then of course now we see in the last week he had to scratch because you know the other uh hard truth to face is you know some of these players with the big giant contracts they have to get insurance uh because if Kershaw were to get hurt during the world baseball classic and be lost to the Dodgers the Dodgers don't necessarily want to pay his contract if he gets hurt elsewhere so they get like bridge insurance contract uh, uh, policies and Kershaw couldn't get one and and that's why he ended up scratching but you know his the will was there for him and so yeah to answer your question that's another example I would use in terms of you know guys are uh, more I think know what it is more and are more interested in participating than they were 10 years ago. Scott Miller, contributor to the New York Times, as well as you can hear him on Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. So for the Arizona Diamondbacks here, young players like Corbin Carroll are expected to have a major impact. Over your years of covering baseball, how have you seen young players with a lot of promise typically handle coming up to the big leagues? I know he had some some time before the end of the year finished last year, so now this is going to be his first start in uh, getting things started for him in Major League Baseball. But is there a bit of a slow period? Do they eventually kind of hit a rookie wall? What have you kind of seen from rookies who have big expectations and are supposed to be major contributors to clubs? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies. Different people come along. They, there are different timetables for, for different players. And, you know, everybody's kind of on their individual timetable. And, you know, I've seen guys that, that step into the major leagues and hit go right away. And 
and and and and it, it's great. And then others with big expectations that takes them two or three times to land on their feet and fulfill those expectations. Um, yeah, I, I like with Carroll that you know Diamondbacks, like you say, he got his feet wet last year, uh, and I think that's helpful in terms of um, of uh, you know the September call up thing can be helpful in that when a player like Carroll comes into spring training this year, and then theoretically, assuming if he breaks the you know breaks camp with with the Diamondbacks in a, on opening day. Um, it's not his very first taste. You know, the, the first road trip, uh, what should I wear on the charter plane? Uh, you know, how do we handle, you know, go out to eat? What, 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 what are certain road cities like? A lot of that he will have been through from, from that taste in September. And, and, you know, he might not have been to every ballpark in every, every road city, but, you know, everything from what, what's it like in a big league clubhouse to how should I act? To what should I wear on the plane? A lot of that stuff now is answered, and he's got he's going to come in and just have to worry about the baseball part of it, and not uh, you know, some of the ancillary questions are going to be answered. And I think, um, you know, I, I I think that that's why it's such a smart move by Diamondbacks to to bring him up last year and get his feet wet because some, especially with a big prospect that you're asking about, Gala, um, the more you can introduce him especially at the end of a year like last year where there's not a ton of pressure yeah i mean it's not like they brought him into a pennant race it was just like here let's come on up uh get you know t- breathe a little bit get a few tastes of the majors and then you know go from there and I, I think that'll help give him a little bit of a running start into this year from the outside looking in did you like what the diamondbacks did in the off season? the expectation of the younger players some of the trades and moves that they made in addition to hopefully getting some other guys back healthy this year did the expectations increase for this club yeah i think to a degree and it's going to be interesting um um you know i, I know uh, you know even over at dodgers camp the other day you know dave roberts talking about the dodgers finally aren't expected to just walk away with this division uh, most of the questions were about the Padres and what they've done. And, you know, they're, they seem to be really primed to give um, the Dodgers a run. But anyway, in assessing the National League West, you know, Roberts, we mentioned, he said, you know, look, you know, teams have improved. And he specifically mentioned the Diamondbacks are, are better. And they, they were getting better last year. They're continuing to get better. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I think that that after some hard times, I think some of the young players they have in place are solid. The moves they made, I think, um, you know, uh, they, they should be better. They should be competitive this year. Um, are they in position to win the division? I don't think so. But um, I think anything less than, compet- than being competitive uh, on a night-to-night basis is going to be a disappointment, uh, you know, for Tori Labello and his crew. Scott Miller, you can hear him, Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. You mentioned you're going to be out at the uh, Cubs facility today. So when we look at this this Cubs team, big-time signing in Dansby Swanson, what are the expectations for him? Does he continue that success we saw with the Braves? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, he's a good player, no doubt about it. Um, it'll The big trick with him, I think, will be any player – when you change teams, there's that unfamiliarity in the beginning and different players adapt to that differently. You know, I mean, we've seen certainly a number of players sign as big free agents that have 
gotten off to disappointing starts with their new team. You know, there's a lot of pressure both financially and in the clubhouse. I mean, Dansby's looked at as a leader. Um, you know, so there, there's going to be a certain level of both of play and leadership that he's going to have to live up to. Now, you know, he's a smart guy. He's a, had a great experience in Atlanta. I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll uh, be a really good move for the Cubs. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're kind of at a crossroads. They've been under 500 the last two years, but they, they've got a couple, you know, their younger players like Nico Horner and Ian Happ that they think, um, you know, they, they, they've been, they think showed enough promise that they went out and signed some free agents. But, yeah, it's like five of the nine everyday players they just signed this year. They're, so, I mean, it's interesting. They You know, kind of that patching together the roster with free agents, uh, you know, beyond Swanson, you know, Cody Bellinger is uh, is in the Cubs outfield. Eric Hosmer is at first base. They signed Trey Mancini. Um, they signed the catcher Tucker Barnhart. So, um, you know, how all those pieces fit together, we'll see. But, you know, at any rate, the Cubs should be more interesting and probably more competitive than they have been the last two or three years. Before I let you go here today, Scott, appreciate the time. Can't ignore the American League. Uh, so the Astros do lose Justin Verlander to the Mets, uh, but they are they still the king of the American League right now until maybe the Yankees can surpass them? Well, what they've done the last several years, I think there's no doubt that you uh, you look at the the Astros as, you know, it's their league until they're at the top of the mountain until somebody knocks them off. Um, I know they lost Verlander, but, um, you know, you saw in the World Series last year, my goodness, I mean, pitchers like, you know, Christian Javier, who threw the, you know, started that combined no-hitter against the Phillies in the World Series, uh, Jose Urquidy, um, they've got some young, they're just loaded with good young arms. So anytime you have that kind of pitching, I think, um, you know, they're not going to fall off too much. I know Dusty Baker famously said, hey, um, I'm coming back this year because I've always said if I ever win one World Series, I want to win a second. So, you know, he's primed for a chance to defend their championship. And, um, you know, the other thing with Houston, look at all the players they've lost the last few years. I mean, they lost George Springer to free agency when he signed with Toronto. Carlos Correa left, uh, signed with the Twins. And, you know, with each of those, it's like, geez, you know, they've got to come back to the pack here pretty soon. But, They've been able to absorb those losses and still, you know, play as, you know, maintain that championship pedigree. And now they're challenged to do it again, losing Verlander. But, um, you know, the division's getting better. Seattle, of course, won 90 games last year. Um, Texas has spent some money with on free agency, you know, and not just that, but interesting bringing in Bruce Bochy to manage this year and Mike Maddox as pitching coach. Um, you know, the Angels think they're better. So I think it's kind of a little bit like the Dodgers in the National League West. I, th- I say Houston's still the team to beat, but the gap is has narrowed. And there's some other teams that could, uh, you know, if things go right, they could unseat the Astros. Scott, really appreciate you taking some time to join the program today. And I'm sure we'll be doing this again here real soon. My pleasure, Kayla. Thank you, and uh, take care. Say hi, Bob. I definitely will. Scott Miller there, contributor to New York Times and SiriusXM Major League Baseball Network. And as he alluded to there, Bob feeling a little under the weather today. Hopefully he's uh, feeling better as the afternoon continues, and hopefully he'll be back tomorrow to deliver the sports zone. But it's poll question time on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and the new app, KDOS 1060. 
Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. 1244 here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com and the new KDUS 1060 app for Apple and Android users. Take advantage of the listener rewards that are on the new KDUS 1060 app, including the grand prize, lunch for two to Porta Subs for a year, 2023 spring training tickets. Download the new KDUS 1060 app. Uh, the contest is going on now through March 19th, and be sure to be listening every day for a new entry per day toward the grand prize drawing. It's all coming to you on the KDOS 1060 app with the lunch for two Porta subs for a year and 2023 spring training tickets. Of course, check out Porta subs at portasubs.com to find the neighborhood location nearest you. As we continue on with the program, it's poll question time. The KDOS 1060.com poll question uh, stemming from the Arizona Cardinals and their coaching staff as it's starting to take shape and perfectly timed here Ian Rappaport tweeting out that AZ Cardinals assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers is staying in Arizona after being retained by new head coach Jonathan Gannon according to a source with Ian Uh, this would actually be the third different coach that Rogers would be a part of he was originally hired by Steve Wilkes and then he was retained on Cliff Kingsbury's staff and apparently here according to Ian Rappaport retained one once again, special teams greatly improved when Rodgers came from the Bruce Arians era into the Steve Wilkes, Cliff Kingsbury era with him at the helm. Maybe a bit of a setback this last year, but honestly, the whole season was a setback. So I don't know that we can take too much out of that. I'm curious to see what direction the Cardinals will go in in the kicking position. If uh, uh, there's going to be any moving on uh, from Matt Prater or Andy Lee, if he wants to keep kicking, uh, he certainly can still kick. Matt Prater still can kick, but just kind of curious to see what developments take place at the special teams position from those two kicking positions. But when it comes to the KDOS1060.com poll question here with the reports, the Arizona Cardinals are hiring Drew Petzing as offensive coordinator, Nick Rollis as defensive coordinator, both first-time coordinators, along with having Jonathan Gannon as a first-year head coach. Would you like to see an established NFL voice be hired as a senior assistant? Options are yes and no. Um, when it comes to the no side of things, I guess you say to yourself, well, Gannon has 15 years of experience in the NFL. Then you look at the experience that Petzing has. He's been in the NFL as an offensive assistant since 2014 with the Vikings. Nick Rollis has been in the NFL since 2018, so not as much time. But he's working, you know, under Jonathan Gannon, whose specialty is the defensive side of the ball. The prevailing thought maybe here is that the game has changed. And so having somebody who has had previous experience, you want to make sure that the game hasn't, quote unquote, passed them by in terms of who you're bringing in to be that overseeing voice, to be kind of somebody to bounce ideas off of. But I think it makes sense to have somebody in with vast experience in the NFL to bounce those ideas off of, to be able to help you with some of the nuances of the game management side of it. So there is the X's and O's portion of it. Then there's the game day stuff. 
There's how do we handle what we want to do analytically? How do we handle what we want to do going for things for fourth down, calling timeouts? There's a lot of nuance to to it on game day. So being able to have someone who has been there and done that, I, I do think makes a ton of sense to be in an advisory role. Once again, to continue to have a more collaborative approach. Uh, it is interesting, though, as well, because previously – Cliff Kingsbury coming in as the Arizona Cardinals head coach didn't have NFL experience. They paired him up with Vance Joseph, who has plenty of NFL experience, including being defensive coordinator previously, as well as a oh, head coach previously. So just curious to see how much of that comes into fruition this time around, how much they're going to, from a front office side of things, say, hey, we're going to make sure this is somebody who has a voice at the table or how much it's going to be Jonathan Gannon saying, I want to have this particular voice at the table with this X amount of experience. So how much of it is the team saying this experience needs to be at the table? How much is Gannon saying, I'd like to have this person be at the table? So curious to see how all of that unfolds. But you all, to the tune of 86% of the vote, are on the yes side of things. No sitting at 14%. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question. And as I mentioned here just a few minutes ago, Ian Rappaport reporting that uh, assistant head coach, special team coordinator Jeff Rogers, staying in Arizona, being retained by Jonathan Gannon. Over on Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, this is just a curiosity question. We don't know the NFL preseason schedule yet, but there's a potential that there's only like one week during this entire calendar year of, you know, football from last year to this year, et cetera, that there would not be football on the calendar because of the XFL and the USFL getting underway. So I'm curious, did you watch the reboot of the XFL over the weekend? Personally, I did not watch it. Um, I think for me, I never really thought that I would kind of get to this point, but I kind of needed a break from football. And I think it was really stemming from how much time I invested in the research side of it, the watching of all the games side of it, the angles, the betting lines, the stories that it just kind of consumed my life for like six months. And so I needed a weekend to not have football in my life, but I completely understand if you're more casual about it, you just absolutely love football, can't get enough of it. I completely understand that there's potential opportunities in the betting market to watch games, get on board, have something going in in, in that capacity. So I completely understand why you would be interested in watching the XFL, but I did not particularly watch it this weekend. If it's on, though, in the future, I'm not opposed to flipping it on and seeing how things go. The masses, though, 61.9% of you are on the no side of things. Yes, sitting at 38.1%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Instead, my attention was on the Genesis Invitational at Riviera Country Club. Uh, John Rahm getting it done, getting the victory, returning to world number one. There's a lot of excitement going into this year's Masters. We'll see how now the West Coast swing is done, flipping over to the Florida swing, see who kind of starts to emerge with like about what? five, six weeks to go before you really start to have to have your game really peaking heading into Augusta. See who starts to emerge in that category of saying, all right, 
Here's our favorites. We'll wrap up Extra Point on the other side of the break. Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Bob Kemp feeling a little under the weather, hoping to have him back tomorrow. We wrap it up next. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Monday, February 20th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and the new KDOS 1060 app. Download today. Apple Android users take advantage of the listener rewards when you do so. It's that time once again. It is thank you time and a big thank you to Scott Miller of uh, the contributor to New York Times as well as Sirius XM Major League Baseball for joining us to chat Tim McCarver. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, the World Baseball Classic, some Diamondbacks, Astros, etc. You can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com. Thomas Casali with the Action Network getting us kind of set, understand some strategies for how we should be paying attention to college hoops as we turn to conference tournaments as well as March Madness just around the corner. Podcast that conversation, kdos1060.com. Thanks to Corey and Aaron as well. And of course, hopefully Bob Kemp starts to feel better and is back and ready to go for tomorrow's Sports Zone. Up next here on KDOS AM 1060 from 1 to 3, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Roosterbeer from five to six then you have monday night golf with ray adams from six to seven as well as james out west featuring ryan rooks from seven to eight tonight asu baseball they opened up the season with a sweep of san diego state friday a six to five win saturday five to three win and a sunday one nothing win they'll play unlv on tuesday next opportunity to hear the sun devils on the KDOS family of airwaves. Three-game series is at Mississippi State starting Friday. Coverage Friday, 2.45 p.m. pregame. Pitch at 3 p.m. over on KAZG 1440 a.m. and KDOS1060.com slash Sundevils. No coverage on Saturday with some conflicts with ASU women's basketball. Sunday, though, 11.45 a.m. pregame, noon first pitch. Back on KDOS AM 1060 and KDOS1060.com. Sticking with that baseball theme and how we were talking about the World Baseball Classic with Scott Miller earlier in the program. It'll be held during spring training. March 7th through March 21st is actually the dates of this World Baseball Classic. In Pool C, which is taking place right here in Phoenix, you have the United States, Mexico, Colombia, Canada, and Great Britain. Merrill Kelly with the Diamondbacks will pitch for the United States. Cattell Marte of the Diamondbacks for the Dominican Republic. Alec Thomas for Mexico. Emmanuel Rivera, Puerto Rico. And... Dominic Paul Fletcher for Italy, all part of the Diamondbacks organization taking place for the variety of different countries represented in the World Baseball Classic. 
As always, thank you so much for listening to The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and now the new KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users. Once again, best wishes to Bob as hopefully he starts to feel better and back with you tomorrow in the sports zone. For now, everyone have yourselves a fantastic Monday and The Extra Point back on Wednesday starting at 11 a.m. Enjoy your Monday, everyone.